Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. I'm going to have to you to open them this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 9. For if you had the Uversion Bible app on your phone, if you hit that events tab on the little more, all the notes are there as well. So I want, to, I want to have a moment of honesty this morning with you. How many of you here would say you are a planner? You have things planned out ahead of time. You get things done early. All right, yeah. How many of you are procrastinators? Last second people, Yeah. <laughs> And here's what's fun. Usually a planner marries a procrastinator, and all kinds of chaos ensues, right, Uh, with those things. Uh, Well, we've been talking the last few weeks in a series called New Mercies about change. And we talked about how God is faithful in the midst of change. That's why it's called (laughs) New Mercies and Lamentations. Uh, Jeremiah said that the Lord's mercies are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness, right? But So the first week we talked about how change comes in our lives and change comes in different seasons. And we said life comes in seasons. So we said that change is inevitable, right? Life has seasons. Uh, Last week, Pastor Kenny talked about the process of change in our lives called what? Sanctification and how God works change in us through a process. So today I want to talk about something that we've, I know, I don't think I've ever talked about in my 12 years here. It's spiritual procrastination. Procrastination is the art of putting something off to the last minute, right? How many guys remember, like, as students or some of you who are students now, trying to hand an assignment in at the very last second? I told my daughter, we dropped her off at college, I said, do not be like me. Be more like your mother who was planned and organized. I remember, like, in college, they have what are called deadlines. And if your paper's not turned in at the deadline, you get zero on it. And it's not where, like, now they can submit it electronically. You had to hand in a paper copy. I remember sprinting across campus, like, dead run, crashing over. I slid the thing under the professor's door, like, at 30 seconds left. I mean, he went, whoo, <laughs> I could hear him in there. And I said, never again am I doing this. And I was a senior, so it was true. But <laughs> never again. But I remember I was like, I hate this. Why do I do this to myself? But we still do it, don't we? Those of us who have that inclination, we put off things like tasks we might not want to do. Uh, sometimes we put off things that we need to do, but it's unpleasant, right? So we wait. We push it off. Sometimes it's things we want to do we know we need to do. We just really don't like doing it or we don't feel like doing it. Uh, well, you know, this works spiritually as well. How many of you have ever had something that you knew you needed to change in your life, but you put it off? And this happens also with roles that we have, responsibilities we have. As Sometimes as a student, you know that I need to be a great witness at school, but I really don't want to make this change in my life, so I'm not. Sometimes as parents, we know we need to have a conversation with our kid, but we just don't want to do it because it's unpleasant, right? So sometimes we put things off. Well, today we're going to look at the story of a man in the Old Testament by the name of Saul. And we've never really done one like this. We're going to look at little portions of Scripture. Uh, so you have your Bibles. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 9. And a little bit of backstory, Israel was delivered from Egypt. Remember, they went into the promised land, and they had what were known as judges who kind of ruled over them. God would raise up a person, and they would rule them. But remember, Israel was supposed to be a theocracy. God was supposed to be Israel's king. And when Israel got into the promised land, what did they do? They said, 
God, we want to have a king like all the other nations around us. We want to have a physical king. And the Lord sent prophets that said, you really don't want this. You know, they're going to draft your kids into the military. They're going to take your stuff. Uh, they're going to make your wives their concubines. You really don't want this. They said, yeah, we really do. We want a king. So God said, all right. So he sent the prophet Samuel to anoint a king. And he said, I'm going to have this guy come. You're going to see him. So Saul was a young man at the time, and he was out looking for his dad's donkey. Right? They had a donkey that got loose, and so he was sent to go find this. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it said, There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, son of, I don't know why I do this to myself. I have to read these names. Zeror, son of Bacorath, son of Aphia of the tribe of Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So then one day, the guy's donkeys <laughs> strayed away. So if you skip down to verse 14, He's out looking for them. So they entered the town, and as they passed through the gate, Samuel was coming out towards them to go up to the place of worship. Samuel was the prophet who was supposed to name the king. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will, listen to what he's going to do. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy, and I have heard their cry. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Right? So just then, Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and said, hey, can you tell me where the seer's house is? And he says, I'm the seer. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. And I will meet you there. We'll eat together, and in the morning I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they've been found. I'm here to tell you, you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. Talk about pressure, Right? <laughs> I'm just looking for a donkey, and you're telling me I'm the source of hope for all of my country, right? So Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Now, have any of you ever felt that way? Right? We have this commission. We're supposed to tell the world about Jesus, and we say, I'm just trying to make it through life alive, right? I, I, I'm trying to, you know, just survive another day. But God has called all of us to something great, right? God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And so Saul says, my family's like the least, and my family is the least of that family, and I'm the least of my family. I, I can't do any of these things you're telling me. He felt unworthy. If you skip down to chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Samuel took a flask of olive oil, and he poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. If you skip down to verse 6, at that time the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully, will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person when God's Spirit comes in Saul. This is Samuel talking. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. I love this. He brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord said, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. And Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. So Saul is anointed king over Israel. But he didn't want it. Where was he at when he was being coronated? He was hiding among the luggage because he didn't want to face up to the responsibility. He didn't want to be that guy, right? 
So we'll look at some more passages here in just a moment. But I want to talk to you a little bit about spiritual procrastination. Because Saul was anointed king. He was given a sacred trust. He was called out among all the people to be the king of the nation. He was given a sacred trust. He's the one that God had called. And he was given a sacred calling. God pulled this man from all these other nation, or all these other tribes, right? He called him to be the king. Saul was given a sacred calling. He was called. He was gifted. They said he was the most handsome man in all Israel. He was taller than anybody else. He was a guy who was given gifts. He was chosen. He was set apart to do great things for the Lord. And guys, I want to let you know, all of you here, all of you watching online, God has a special plan for each and every one of our lives. He has something that only you can do that no one else can do exactly like you can. Because he has called you. He has given you a gifting. And you say, well, how do you know that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has called each and every one of us in this room, each and every one of us watching, even everyone in town, that annoying neighbor that you have, that kid who has a locker next to you, who sits next to you in class that drives you crazy. God has a plan for them too. God has called each and every one of us to do something just like he called Saul. We're all gifted. We're all given the abilities to do what he's asked us to do. And he was given a sacred responsibility. Saul was the king. The king's job was to protect the nation, to lead them. And he wasn't just like a president is to us. He was also supposed to be a spiritual leader. He was supposed to be an example to the people of how to live for the Lord. He was given a sacred responsibility. He was anointed king. And guys, every one of us have a responsibility. We've got a calling, but we also have responsibilities. Each and every one of us is supposed to live our life out in a way that honors Christ. When people see us, they should say, well, there's something different about them. Are we supposed to be perfect? No, we'll never be that. But we're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be a witness. And then if you decide to get married, you have another responsibility to your spouse to serve them and to love them and to show Jesus to them, right? And then if you have kids, you have more responsibility. You've got to get this little person alive out into the world, right? But not just alive, we're supposed to share Jesus with them and lead them. It's a responsibility. It's a sacred responsibility. Each and every one of us have something. If you're a friend, if you have friends, I hope you do, you have a responsibility to them, to show them Jesus, right? So our lives, our marriages, our families are supposed to be a witness to others. We all have these responsibilities, just like Saul did. And with responsibility is the trust. But he was also given all the tools needed to accomplish the call. God didn't just call him and then leave him. He gave him everything he needed. We read that when he was anointed king, what did God do? He came in and he gave him a new heart. And the Bible says that when we are in Christ, we're all new what? Creations. We're all given the same new heart. And he was gifted, just like we are. I love this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God has given us everything we need for living out a godly life. So guys, all of us are like Saul. We've all been called. We've all been anointed. We've all been set apart to do something. So whether 
you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you work in the marketplace somewhere, whatever it is, God has called each and every one of us to do something. To guide our families, to live as examples to everybody around us. So we all have that. And we don't all have the same giftings. Now here's the thing, guys. Not all of us are as gifted as the person next to us. Not all of us have the same gift sets. Not all of us have the same skills. Not all of us are musically talented. Not all of us can speak well. Not all of us can do these things. But we all have something. And here's the thing, guys. To be faithful or to be successful in life, we just have to be what? Faithful. That's all he asks is us to be faithful in what we have. I'm not going to do the same as somebody else because God has gifted me differently. God has gifted you differently, but we need to be faithful. And that's what God has called us to do, just simply to be faithful. Success in God's kingdom is determined by faithfulness. So God is asking us to take what we have and to use it. And that's what God asked Saul. And that's what we see here. When God gave him the, the anointing as king, he asked him to be what? Faithful. To do the things he was asked to do. But Saul didn't do that. Saul practiced what we're going to call spiritual procrastination. <laughs> and we've all done it, right? We've all put off things we need to do in our spiritual life. When Pastor Kenny talked about this process we call sanctification, God points to things in our lives sometimes, doesn't he? And says, you need to get rid of this. You need to be more like me by getting rid of this thing in your life. And sometimes we say, but I like that thing. Right? We get that whiny voice, but I like this. I like doing this. I want to hold on to this. And so we procrastinate. So what causes this thing? What causes us to spiritually procrastinate? Well, guys, I think part of it is not being confident in who we are. I think sometimes, like Saul, we don't take ownership of our lives because we're not confident in who we are. What did he say when the Lord called him out? Well, my family, my tribe is the smallest tribe, and, and my family is the smallest in the tribe, and, and I'm the worst one in my family. You really don't want me. <laughs> I know when God's told me to do things before, I'm like, well, I, 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 no, uh-uh, not me. I spent years of my life fighting God. You ever been there? He always wins. I don't know why we fight. <laughs> if we let him, he's going to win. But he calls us to do things. A couple weeks ago here in service, we talked about having godly confidence. That's something that we have to develop, trusting God in every situation, having confidence in him to do what he's called us to do to help us. And we see this all throughout scripture. When God called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, what did he say? I'm not the right guy for this. I, I can't speak. Don't call me. Use my brother. He threw his brother under the bus. Use him. He's, he's a good speaker. Gideon. When God called Gideon to be a judge, what did he do? He was hiding. And then he gave God tests. Hey, here, uh, you know, make this wet and the ground around it dry. Make the ground around it wet and make this dry to show me you're really calling me. So sometimes we're just not confident. We have to develop that confidence. And to develop that confidence, we have to do what God's called us to do, right? We can't put things off. Sometimes we don't want to deal with situations. God tells us to do something, and we just don't want to have that fight. Sometimes we just don't want to fight that battle, and so we put it off, and we put it off. We'll see here in just a moment, Saul had a literal fight that he put off, and it caused him to miss out on things God had called him to do. He was supposed to be out fighting Goliath. Remember the story of David and Goliath we'll read here in just a moment? There's big champions out there, and where was Saul? In his tent, hiding. As the king, he should have been out there on the front lines, but he gave up that responsibility, and guys, 
Sometimes God calls us to step up and fight for our marriage, and we don't. We put it off. Sometimes God calls us to fight for our family, and we, we put it off. Sometimes God says, hey, I want you to step up and teach this class. And we say, uh, nope, 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 nope. Uh, little kids terrify me. I can't do that. <laughs> Teenagers terrify me. I can't, nope, nope. I don't want to stand up in front of people. I love this quote. Chris Bell said this. He's a pastor. He says, Saul for 40 days refused to go into the valley and fight. He was passive. As much as he looked like the leader, he refused to fight the battle that had his name on it. When we refuse to fight the battles that have our names on them, we will always pay the price. There's a price to be paid for passivity. When God gives us a battle to fight and we pass it off, we suffer consequences. So let's read this passage here. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 8 through 11. It said, Goliath, he was a giant. He stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. So the Israelites and the Philistines had lined up for battle. And instead of fighting all of them, Sometimes they would just send out a champion and say, hey, if your champion wins, then we'll be subject to you. If your champion wins, we'll, or if ours wins, you'll be subject to us. That way they didn't all have to die. And so Goliath gets out and he shouts a taunt. Why are you all, or why are you all coming out to fight? When are you coming out to fight? He called, I'm the Philistine champion, and you are the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I can kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight with me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. As soon as the Israelite army saw them, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king, listen to this, has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. That's tempting. Right? Marry the king's daughter, that means you're part of the royal family, and you don't have to pay taxes. But what was Saul doing? He was procrastinating. He was giving up a battle that had his name on it, and he was stepping back from it. He wasn't doing what God had called him to do as the king. He should have been out there on the front lines, but he didn't. And so sometimes we don't want to deal with issues. That's why we procrastinate. Sometimes we give away responsibilities that we should own. We pass off things. How many young kids today are raised by tablets and TVs instead of by parents? Because they give up that responsibility. How many kids never know about Jesus because parents give up that responsibility? How many times have we allowed our marriages to suffer because we're not taking responsibility for that? So we have to get out and fight the battles that we're called to fight. I want you to think about this. How different would Saul's life have been if he had stepped up and fought Goliath? He would have won because it was God's fight, right? But he didn't do it. He didn't take that step. How different would his kingship, his kingdom have been? His reign, his kingdom would have been totally different if he had stepped out and fought. But instead, this young man Dave, David comes out and fights Goliath on God's behalf. And how many of our lives would look different if we had not procrastinated if we had not passed off a spiritual responsibility we have but here's the great thing even if we have we can always come back right we can always step up to that fight even if we have procrastinated so what happens when we practice spiritual procrastination what happens a lot of times we put off spiritual growth instead of growing we just kind of stagnate 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes to the church, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready for your control by your sinful nature. So sometimes when we put these things off, we don't grow like we should. We're not spiritually mature as we could be. And then what's the end result? What happens when we do this for a long period of time? Guys, I think we miss out on some good things that God has for us. When we put off our spiritual growth, when we put off doing the things God has called us to do, we miss out on opportunities. Sometimes we miss out on blessings that God has for us because we're not ready. We're not there yet. I love this. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul was supposed to wait on Samuel to come and offer a sacrifice, and they were going to go in and fight a battle. But Saul did it himself because he was nervous. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. So he had sinned and so he lost out as king. And guys, this wasn't just a one-time thing. This was a series of small decisions that led up to that point, right? A series of small procrastinations that led up to him losing out as king because he thought little of himself. So how do we do this? How do we fight this procrastination? How do we avoid this prolonged spiritual procrastination that makes us miss out on blessings, that makes us miss out on growth, on opportunities? How do we do that? Well, the first thing I think is we have to practice consistent spiritual disciplines. When we're spending time with God, when we're doing the spiritual disciplines that God asks us to do, we're in tune with Him. And we're more apt to do the things He has called us to do. So what are some spiritual disciplines? Spending time in the Word. And guys, it has never been easier than today to spend time in God's Word, right? We have it with us all the time. We have it on our phones. We have it, physical copies of it, most of us. If you don't, let me know. We'll get you one. We have copies of it on our phone, on our tablets, on our computers. You can listen to it in your car now. You can listen to it in headphones. It's easy. And that YouVersion Bible app has little plans you can do every day, just a couple minutes a day. And that consistency gets us into God's Word. Spending time in prayer. Spending time in silence. Listening to God's voice. These are all disciplines. Giving, serving. These are disciplines. And if we practice these things every day, we're apt to hear his voice, and we're more apt to take those steps that he's called us to do. And here's the funny thing, and I've researched this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. So after Saul misses out, after he disobeys and he gives up the battle, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Isn't that interesting? It said he sent a spirit. And so I've researched this. I've looked on commentaries because, you know, some people say, well, it's a demon. It's like, I don't think God would send a demon into somebody. Uh, other people said it was just his own bad attitude. But somehow, when Saul was putting off doing the things God had asked him to do, and he was abdicating his spiritual responsibility, he became crippled by depression and fear. He was constantly paranoid. And so David was anointed king. And what did Saul do? He chased this young man for years. 
He kept trying to pin him to the wall with spears, and only music would help him out. But here's the thing, guys. Sometimes when we put off doing the things God has asked us to do, we put ourselves in situations where we're crippled by fear and anxiety. And I know, guys, I know depression is a real thing. I know mental illness is a real thing. That's not what this was. This was his attitude. This was him tormenting himself because he wouldn't step up to what God asked him to do. So he opened a door to these things coming into his lives because he wasn't spending time in God's presence. If you notice, there's this subtle change in these chapters as you read. He used to say, my God, and eventually he becomes and says, your God, talking to the prophet. He missed out on his relationship with God because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. So those spiritual disciplines, those consistent spiritual disciplines help us stay in the middle of God's plan for our lives. And then sometimes we have to practice lifestyle changes that lead to sustained change. What in the world does that mean? Practice making lifestyle changes. Guys, as Christians, it is important for us to be in community with other Christians. And that's a lifestyle change for some of us. Some of us are really comfortable by ourselves. <laughs> some of us would rather hang out on our own than with other people. But we have to practice being in a community being a part of a church family, being part of life groups. That's why we do these things. These Wednesday night Bible studies, the women's Bible study, the men's breakfast. Being in community helps us. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh, a guy was talking about these lifestyle changes, and he said it's so important for Christians to have spiritual disciplines and to make lifestyle changes, doing life together with other Christians. Because he said when we don't, we end up in the same place as Saul. Did you know when you have Christians around you who encourage you, it helps encourage you, <laughs> right? That makes sense. Have Christians help encourage you, it helps you live an encouraged life. But when we start isolating ourselves, what happens? We start finding these battles in our mind. Fear creeps in. Depression, anxiety creep in more and more the longer we're alone. But when we live in community with other Christians, we have people around us who will encourage us, who will pray for us who will help hold us accountable, life gets better. It's easier to hear God's voice when you're spending time with other Christians. What other lifestyle changes? Maybe being careful about the things that we watch and listen to. How many of you know if you're constantly filling your head with negativity, what happens? Negativity comes out. And it's easier to put off those things that we're supposed to do, those procrastinations. It's easier to be a spiritual procrastinator. And then lastly, we have to practice godly confidence. We have to practice godly confidence. One of the things that hurt Saul was his low view of himself. He wouldn't step into who he was supposed to be because he didn't believe he was worthy. But, but I'm from the smallest tribe. I can't do this. And then when he does get anointed king, where is he at? Hiding among the bags. He didn't want to be up front. But then after he becomes king, he still doesn't step into his role because he's nervous. He's afraid of the people. So earlier in chapter 16, in chapter 15, when he offers a sacrifice he's not supposed to offer, he says, hey, Samuel, will you pray for me so that the people will honor me? He was more worried about being honored by those around him than about his relationship with the Lord. And so he didn't have that godly confidence. So guys, how do we have godly confidence we take small steps every single day to help us trust Jesus more. We step into those things. We take those battles that have our name on them. We start fighting 
because we start trusting Jesus more every single day. So practically, what does this look like? Well, it means every day I'm going to start spending time with God so that I'm not putting off those battles that I have, that I'm not putting off those things that I'm supposed to do as a parent, as a spouse, as a Christian in the workplace. I'm going to start fighting those battles every day because I trust him. And I start taking those small steps of faith every single day. Because how many of you know those small decisions to trust Jesus every day build up over time? When I start making good decisions every day, small decisions, they add up to big decisions. Those little changes add up to big changes. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, if you would. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I don't know what God is speaking to your heart today. But I'm going to give us a moment here to respond to what he's saying to us. And not if you notice, but on the back of our bulletins, we put some questions here that you can kind of go through with your family later on or on your own just to kind of talk through some of this and help us put some action steps to the messages. So would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we're so thankful today for your love for each and every one of us. And Lord, I'm thankful that you have called each and every one of us. Every one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, Lord, you have called us. You have set us apart to do the good works that you planned in advance for us to do. But not only that, Lord, your word says you've given us everything we need to live a life of godliness in this world. Lord, your spirit empowers us. You've changed our hearts. So Lord, I pray you'd help us today to walk this thing out. And Lord, help us not to procrastinate on the things you've called us to do, the changes you've called us to make, those steps of sanctification. Lord, help us to not put those things off but to face those head on. And Lord, I don't know what battles some of us in this room are, are fighting, or maybe we're supposed to be fighting, but we haven't. But Lord, would you help us today? So I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes where you're at and just close yourself in with the Lord for a moment. If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor X, you've talked about how Jesus changes our hearts, but I've never asked him to do that. I've never began a relationship with him and, and made that heart change. I've never asked him to forgive my sins or, or become the Lord of my life, but I want to do that today. Would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? We do want to pray with you right where you are. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, to pray with those who raise their hands or those who are online that we can't see. But this is just a simple prayer, just you talking to the Lord, asking him to forgive your sins. And when you do this, Paul says, we become a brand new creation. So would you all pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, Thank you so much for your amazing love for me. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying in my place. And so, Lord, I admit that I've sinned. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Make me new. Help me to walk with you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. And guys, the Bible says if you pray that prayer, he comes in and changes us into a brand new creature. So if you prayed that prayer, would you come talk to me or one of the ones who are on the platform today? We'd love to pray with you after service, give you a book. So if you're here today, you say, you know what? As you've been talking, I realize that I've been procrastinating on some things, some changes I need to make in my life, some battles I need to fight, maybe for myself, maybe for my family. But today, I want to step into that. I want to make those changes that God's called me. In. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? We just want to pray with you this morning. Yeah. If you're here today and say, you know, 
I really struggle with that godly confidence. I struggle with who God has called me to be. I struggle to step into that. I know that he's called me. I know that he loves me. I really struggle with that confidence. Is that you? Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then after I'm done, we're going to close out with the song. If you want prayer for something, you can come up to the front right here. Someone will meet you here. If you have a need in your life, you want someone to pray with you, come up. Someone will meet you here. Lord, I just pray for all these this morning that raise their hands. Lord, for those who have a battle they need to fight or have a change they need to make, and we just need your help to do that. Lord, would you help us to step into those changes? Lord, would you help us to step into that fight you've called us to do? Lord, I pray for those today who struggle with that confidence and being who you have called us to be. It's so easy to doubt ourselves. It's so easy to doubt you sometimes. But Lord, would you help us to step into that confidence, into who you called us to be and to trust you. Lord, would you help us to make those changes you called us to make in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close out with a song here. If you need prayer, you're welcome to come up to the front. We'll pray with you today.